Tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Okay, so we have got a lot to talk about on today's show, and happy Thursday, everybody. We're going to have a full preview of tonight's game at the Nassau Coliseum against the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll also discuss the Islanders' goaltending situation a little bit. Uh, mainly because we have heard from Barry Trotz saying that after last night's game, he might reassess the alternating of the goalies and maybe give more playing time to one or the other. We'll talk about that. And we also have this date in Islanders history and a whole lot more to talk about. So let's start with this goaltending situation. It is really one of those... Uh, good problems to have. Right now, the Islanders looking good. They've played 26 games. The record overall, 18-6-2. and 12 games over NHL 500. Uh, and 38 points in 26 games. And through the first 26 games, each goalie has started 13 and they've alternated. Tomas Grice... 13 starts, 14 games total, a 10-3-0 record, a goals against average of 2.18, and a save percentage of 931. He does not yet have an individual shutout on the season. Meanwhile, newcomer Simeon Varlamov has also started 13 games, although he's appeared in 15. He has a record of 8-3-2, and a goals against average of 2.38 and a save percentage of 9.22. Varlamov does have one individual shutout. And, you know, here's the thing. If you look back at the career of Tomas Grice, and, it, it, you know, here's a guy who, up until very recently, never quite established himself as a bona fide number one goaltender in the NHL. He's very much been, for the better part of his career, a 1A kind of guy. Uh, a, a guy who can, you know, play 35, 40 games in a season, play very well for you, but when you use him too much, historically at least, he has tended to... Uh, lose a little bit of his effectiveness. I mean, you look at the statistics, and he's done some very good things for the Islanders since coming over. 2015-2016, he played 41 games, started 38. So again, roughly half the schedule, he did well. The following year, 
starts 51 uh, starts 49 games plays in 51 in 2016-17 the goals against average goes up by a third a goal a game the save percentage goes down by 12 points you know from 925 to 913 and uh, again how you use him how often you use him is important last year the first year of the Barry Trotz regime, he starts 39 games. The 2.28 goals against average, 9.27 save percentage, and that save percentage was a career high, five shutouts. Arguably his best season in the NHL, and he really seems to like playing, you know, under Barry Trotz because look, let's face it, it's a very goalie-friendly defense-first system. Right now you have an interesting situation. Varlamov has probably played a little bit better than Grice over the last three or four games, but Grice has the better statistics overall for the season. And unlike Grice, you go back over the career of Simeon Varlamov, he has been a lot more of a workhouse goalie. In his NHL career, You've got seasons where Simeon Varlamov has started 52 games. He has started 60 games, 57 games, twice, 49 games a year ago. Uh, He has been more of a guy who's been able to log a lot more minutes and a lot more games started. And, you know, again... You may want to run the hot hand a little bit, make these goalies work for their playing time, but to me, when I look at the situation right now, and I kind of see what this team is doing, the Islanders seem to play pretty much equally as well in front of both goaltenders. They seem to have confidence in both goaltenders, and I think giving these guys every other game off, but knowing that they're going to play every other game is a very good system for this team. If I were Barry Trotz, I would stay with this alternate system unless somebody goes into a prolonged slump or somebody absolutely catches fire. I mean, look, both of these goalies are in their 30s right now. Varlamov is... 31 years old, still in the prime of his career. By no means is that, you know, an age where you say, oh my gosh, he's starting to slow down, got to pace him, can't can't put him out there for 55, 60 games a, a year. But, you know, and, and, and Grice right now is almost, he's 33, he'll be 34 in January. Also a, a player who is realistically still in the prime of his career. Maybe sort of a little older, but again, Grice has not been as effective when used too often in a row. I would stick with the alternating the two goalies, let them each get, you know, somewhere between 38 and 43 starts or so, and keep them both sharp, And unless one of them gets hurt, one of them goes into a very big slump, or one of them absolutely catches fire, 
I think the best thing to do is to keep this system in place until you get closer to the playoffs. And, you know, if one goalie emerges come late March into early April, that's who you start the playoffs with, knowing you have both goalies. But to me, this system has worked so well for this team over the first, you know, 25 games or so. And I think it's something that they should continue into the future. We have got a lot more to get to on today's show. We've got this date in Islanders history. We'll talk a little bit about the Islanders' struggles to fill out a third line. And, of course, we'll preview tonight's game at the Coliseum against the Vegas Golden Knights. Stay with us. Lots more to talk about here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. So the Islanders are facing a dilemma here, and it's been a dilemma all season. We see this team... Look, they are a defensive-oriented team. No question about that. But at the end of the day, the question is, you know, they're not going to they're not scoring quite as many goals as they would like. And one problem is a lack of combinations to fill out the third or fourth line. Uh the Sezikis Martin Clutterbuck line is kind of considered the the third line as far as minutes played. But it really functions as a fourth line as far as the role they play. They're an energy line, the kind of line that wants to be physical and forecheck and throw the body around. So even if they're getting third line minutes, they're really functioning for the most part as a fourth line. But who's on the third line? I mean, Josh Bailey has bounced up and down. Derek Broussard centered the third line at one point, but he's played better on the wing on the second line than he did centering the third line. Leo Komarov, Otto Koivula, Jordan Eberle, all of these players have seen time, and uh, Josh Bailey also, all of these players have seen time on the third line, but no consistent grouping seems to have been created. And, you know, maybe when Andrew Ladd comes back, He can bring some extra offense to the uh, third line, but right now, Barry Trotz doesn't seem to have a good working combination that provides enough offense for a third unit. I mean, the Sezikis-Martin-Clutterbuck line, they're capable of putting on, uh, you know, putting up some points and getting some, some scoring done, but that's not their primary role. And ideally... Uh, you need a good checking line that also can put pucks in the net. Do you go with a situation where you have Bailey, Kamarov, and Koivula? Uh, again, does Ladd fit in when he returns to the lineup? Uh, there are so many variables uh, as to what to do, but at the end of the day, the Islanders, I'll, I'll tell you right now, some point before the playoffs get underway, and I don't know what point it's going to be, but before the trade deadline, if I'm running this hockey team, you got to add some offense for the playoff run. Right now, the Islanders are second in the NHL in goals against, but they are 22nd out of 31 teams in goals scored. And that is something that, come playoff time, you want to improve. And I think that as we get closer to the trade deadline, 
look for the Islanders to make some kind of a move to increase their scoring and add a player who reliably can put the puck in the net and who can also help the power play, which currently ranks 19th in the league at 17.5%. We all know come the postseason that the power play becomes even more critical because, especially five-on-five, there is less space and time to move the puck, to maneuver, to skate. It's tighter checking, harder hitting, and all-out 110% effort that you don't always see on, you know, a Thursday night in February uh, against, you know, a, a team from the other conference. So, the Islanders definitely need to upgrade their offensive output from that third forward line, and I think they realistically have to add a piece before the trade deadline. A rent-a-player would be fine. I don't think you want to be giving up, you know, top prospects or high, high draft picks, uh, but, you know, maybe you could dump a salary and, and pick up somebody. Maybe you can, you know, again, for a third-round pick or something like that, get a rent-a-player who can be a steady 25, let's say, goal scorer who will add another dimension of offense to this team for the stretch drive and, more importantly, for the playoffs. Look, the playoffs are still a long ways away. We've only played 26 hockey games so far out of 82. But the way this team is playing... You have to start thinking ahead. People have commented, what about Josh Hosang? Uh, But Hosang right now, I'll tell you, I like the kid. Uh, The the times that I've interviewed him, I like his confidence. I like his his bravado. And he's certainly got the talent to play in the National Hockey League. But I can't see him fitting into Barry Trotz's defense-first style when push comes to shove. And I think the best thing that the Islanders can do for Joshua Hosang right now is to trade him to another organization where he might get the chance to play some more minutes, play in the NHL, and, you know, for his sake at least, probably blossom into a, you know, quality NHL goal scorer. But... Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorello want guys who are willing to sacrifice individual stats to play their defense first style. And Joshua Hosang is just not someone who fits that mold. Now, can he change his ways? Can he uh, alter, you know, alter his playing style? Maybe, but so far he hasn't proved he can do it. And uh, right now. It just doesn't look like he is in the team's future plans. He could be part of a trade. I mean, certainly the Islanders, you know, could include him in a trade with a draft pick to try to get a rent-a-player. It remains to be seen. It's a little early. We're still in early December, the trade deadline a few months away. But it's something that Islander fans should be wondering about, should be putting in the back of their mind as we get deeper and deeper into this season because it's something the Islanders need to resolve in order to get to the next level this season. You can't win a lot of games 2-1 to one all season long and, and 
not have uh, you know another line that can put the puck in the net consistently. So we'll keep an eye on this situation as it develops. And of course, please feel free to send your opinion. You can contact the show. Our email address is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. You can certainly uh, give us your opinion. If you have a question, something you'd like for us to discuss, just leave your name, where you're from, and we will be happy to talk about it on the show. You could also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. You could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI, and we'll keep you up to date on all things Islanders. In a minute, we will come back and discuss tonight's game against the Vegas Golden Knights at the Coliseum. Plus, we'll have this date in Islanders history. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. It's time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to December 5th, 1989, the site, the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, the Buffalo Sabres coming into town, and Sabres had a quality team at that point, including some names that are familiar to Islander fans, names like Uwe Krupp, names like Pierre Turgeon, uh, you know, a couple of players who made eventually had time with the Islanders, and of course, Benoit Hogue on that team, as was Phil Housley, the great offensive defenseman. The goaltending matchup, Darren Pupa in between the pipes for the Sabres, while the Islanders counter with Mark Fitzpatrick. Scoring getting underway, it was a defensive style game, but Midway through the first period, Brad Lauer gets the Islanders on the board first. His third goal of the year from Pat Flatley and Joe Rieke at 11:23, and that gave the Islanders first blood in this contest. The second period, a lot more of a physical kind of a game. Uh, Dave Snuggerud goes off for slashing at 4.03, and then 21 seconds later, the Islanders lose that power play when Brent Sutter is called for holding, but the action getting a little bit more physical out there. Finally, at the 18.12 mark of the second period, the Islanders increase their lead as Randy Wood cashes in his seventh of the year. Gerald Diddick and Pat LaFontaine get the assists for the Islanders. It stays that way throughout the third period. The Sabres put on a lot of pressure, but Fitzpatrick keeps coming up big, and with 40 seconds left in regulation time, Buffalo pulls the goalie, and UB McDonough scores the empty net goal, his fifth from Don Maloney and Jeff Norton, and that closes out the scoring. The Islanders winning the game 3 to nothing. And the shutout for Mark Fitzpatrick in this game. And uh, 32 saves to get the shutout for Fitzpatrick. No Islanders in this contest had multiple point games. But among the Islanders who were a plus two in this contest, Ken Baumgartner, the bomber, Brad Lauer, Don Maloney, and Randy Wood the Islanders' shot leader in this game was UB McDonough with four. 
a win for the Islanders against a team that was well ahead of them in the standings. Three to nothing Islanders on this date, December 5th, back in 1989. So tonight, the Vegas Golden Knights are in town for their first visit uh, with the Islanders, their first meeting with the Islanders. Vegas in pretty good shape right now. They come in on a four-game winning streak at 15-11-4 overall on the season. It's a three-game East Coast swing through the New York metropolitan area, and they're trying to go for the sweep after beating both the Rangers and the Devils. The Knights, or the Golden Knights, hoping to get Marc-Andre Fleury, their star goalie, back. If he can't go, it'll be Malcolm Subban, uh, P.K. Subban's younger brother, who would most likely get the nod. The Golden Knights, you know, 12th overall in goals scored, 18th in goals against, just, you know, kind of an above-average team. But where they really make a lot of hay is on special teams. Their power play is ranked 7th in the league with a 23.2% success rate. And the penalty kill is 4th in the league at 85.9% success, killing off opposing power plays. And this is a situation where the Islanders can't allow themselves to A, take too many foolish penalties and give the Golden Knights a lot of chances with the extra attacker, and then B, they got to make sure that their power play is able to get something going. Vegas has balanced scoring, and five players right now through 30 games have at least 20 points. Max Pacioretty leads the team with 26 points overall, William Carlson with 25, Mark Stone 24, Riley Smith 22, and Jonathan uh, Marchessault with 21. So again, balanced scoring here from Vegas, and that is to be expected. The top line is Carlson centering uh, Marchessault and Riley Smith. Paul Stastny, the talented uh, former Avalanche, centers Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone on the second line, while Cody Glass has centered the third line between Will Carrier and Alex Tuck. And on defense, again, you take a look at what Vegas does. Nate Schmidt uh, on the top pairing with Braden McNabb and Nicholas Haig and Shea Theodore make up the second pair. Again, Marc-Andre Fleury has been on the injured list, but they're hoping somehow that he can come back and be a factor. Uh, you look at this team as far as hits go, they have some physical players out there. Braden McNabb, 92 hits. William Carrier uh, with 85. And yet that pales in comparison to Ryan Reeves, who has 138 hits in 30 games. So Vegas can play it physical. I look at this matchup and I think we're probably looking at a low scoring game. But again, We'll see how that one breaks out. And by the way, for the Islanders, this is their first appearance at the Nassau Coliseum since John Tavares came back, uh, what was that, three weeks ago with the Maple Leafs. So back to the Coliseum for this game. And again, the Islanders, even if they don't win this game, 
uh, and you want to see them get back. They've been playing very inconsistent hockey over the last seven or eight games, and it's time for them to get back to doing what they do best, to being, you know, stronger on defense and skate, skate, skate. It's the one thing they did not do in Montreal. Barry Trotz talked about it after the game, said we have some passengers and we can't have that, and basically said that we looked like a tired hockey team. So we'll see how they respond tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. That's going to do it for us here on the Locked On Isles podcast. I am your host, Gil Martin. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow with a full review of tonight's game and a preview of all the action for the Islanders coming up this weekend. We'll also have this date in Islanders history and a whole lot more. So join us today and every day for Locked On Islanders. You can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And please, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please leave a nice five-star rating for us. It helps other people find the show. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll be back tomorrow with more Locked On Islanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.